Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM770 KTTH streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. In less than one hour from now, top GOP candidates will take to the stage for the first debate of the primary season. But, of course, the big dog is missing. And that is what's trending. What's trending? Let's debate. This hour, we will help preview what's to come tonight, what we expect, what should happen, what shouldn't happen, and what really this all means. And I suppose, depending on your perspective, it could mean absolutely nothing because you have already decided who you're going to vote for. And the polling suggests pretty clearly, pretty clearly, on the Republican side, everyone is on Team Donald Trump. Depending on the state, you'll see some slight differences in numbers, but for the most part, he's leading in state polls, which are the only ones that matter. National polls don't matter at this point. Between 20 and 40 points. Like, it's an insane lead that he has. The highest lead, I believe, that we've ever seen in certainly recent political memory from a presidential candidate standpoint. Very rarely do you see this kind of gap between the top supporter or the top vote getter and two, three, and four. Usually they're a little bit tight. Maybe every once in a while you get like a 12-point lead. But 40? Yeah. It's pretty significant. But as much as everyone wants to say that they know who they're voting for, they're not going to move. The truth of the matter is anything can change. That's the ultimate reality when it comes to politics. You might not accept that. You might not believe it, but it's true. Because there have certainly been cases in the past, at least for me, where I've said, I am definitely voting for this dude. No way am I changing. And then I'm like, ooh, never mind. I'm changing my mind here. That's the reality. No one is owed your ever-loving loyalty if you don't believe someone is capable of winning and you consider the implications of voting for someone you don't think is going to win. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case with Donald Trump because as of right now, I think he is going to win. I think he is absolutely going to win if right this moment there was an election, there was a vote. But I'm not going to pretend that with Donald Trump, anything is a certainty. And he's going to be under relentless attacks over the course of the next several months. He's going to have to face a court, a prosecutor, a jury. When that will be, I don't know. Obviously, you've got the folks who have decided to throw away all dignity and politicize either the Department of Justice or just the criminal justice system in general. They're obviously trying to go after him and get him found guilty before the general, before the primary season is even half over. How likely that is? Very unlikely. But again, the level of hatred towards Donald Trump is unlike anything I've ever seen. Anything can happen. And at the end of the day, what I personally will do is vote for the person who I think has the best shot at beating Joe Biden. If I believe that Donald Trump will beat Joe Biden, I'm in his camp easy. 
if I start to wonder whether or not that's possible, I'm going to start looking at other candidates. I'm not going to lie. I like Donald Trump. I'm a supporter of his. I'm voting for him as of right now. But here's the threat. If he doesn't really have a shot at winning, I don't want Joe Biden for another four years because really that becomes, let's be just brutally honest, Kamala Harris. I want a Republican in office who will be able to, number one, pardon Donald Trump, and number two, get rid of all of the corruption as best as he or she can from the Department of Justice. Get rid of the bureaucrats who don't have this country in mind. I'm willing to bet 98% of the people who work in the DOJ are good people, honest people, hardworking people who truly care about this country. The problem is 1% or 2% can do a heck of a lot of damage, as we are very clearly seeing right now. So who on that stage am I most excited about seeing tonight? There are a couple. And it just so happens they're at number two and number three, or according to a new Emerson poll, they're both tied at number two, which is Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm excited about Vivek because I think no one knows who he is, and every time someone finds out who he is, they get excited about him. I'd like to see how he comes off in a substantive discussion on this stage. And Ron DeSantis. I'm a fan of what he's done in Florida. There is a reason people are abandoning blue states for Florida. It's because of his record. It's because of what he's been able to do. And from a values perspective, we're on the same page. Now, do I think either of them have an equal shot at beating Joe Biden? No, I don't think Vivek does, at least not yet. Ron DeSantis, I do. There is a reason why Donald Trump is still attacking Ron DeSantis. He is a threat. He's a very clear threat. Kaylee McEnany on Fox this morning, she made the point that tonight, We could all be surprised by what we see on that stage. There are a lot of candidates who, for the most part, we haven't heard anything from. So how do you catch momentum? Someone like Tim Scott, I I spoke with some who are familiar with his debate prep. They said he's been prepping heavily. He's going to focus a lot on his biography where other candidates might need a direction change. They feel that this is a moment to really introduce him to the American people in front of a large audience. So uh, catch momentum. And Tim Scott's style is very different than anyone on the stage. That may be a way to do it. DeSantis can emphasize, I'm a proven fighter. I have results. Vivek, I'm young. I'm new. I'm an outsider. These are all ways, if they harness that energy, they can catch momentum. Two, though, at the same time, you have to eliminate competitors. Uh, this is a game of math. Last Super Tuesday, 2016, Super Tuesday, there were still five candidates in the race. 30% of delegates went to people who were not the top two. So you can lose by virtue of not eliminating competition. And finally, illustrate policy differences to your point. point. You can do that on abortion, which is really important in Iowa, in a primary. You can do that on cultural issues and maybe Mm -hmm. even on an issue like the deep state and two-tier justice system where someone like Vivek is really strong on that point. He is. Who I'm looking to just see crash and burn because, number one, I think they're weak candidate. And number two, I find them to be an annoying candidate. Asa Hutchinson, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, Polling indicates the party doesn't want anything to do with him either. He barely scraped by alongside Doug Burgum, who's going to be there with a – he's got a little boot on and crutches because he hurt himself playing basketball. And as I said, some of you are going to be listening on the app, and I hope you do. And again, you should download the KTTH app. We'll send you 
and alert the second that we begin. But he hurt his leg or knee or ankle, something. And at first, we didn't think he was going to be able to stand for two hours. In fact, that was from his campaign. But now he's in. He's on his crutches. And I'll be listening on the app just for this. And that will be him falling. And then I will have, I will say, you know what? Good night. I'm done. This was an amazing experience, so it better not happen within the first seven minutes. You don't give him any credit for debating through the pain? No. Now, if he's hopped up on painkillers could be good able theater. to perform, uh, I will give him a pass, I suppose. Chris Christie is someone I really find unlikable. And again, the polling suggests no one really likes Chris Christie. But he'll be there. I'm kind of curious whether or not he's going to just attack, attack, attack Donald Trump or if he'll focus again on just maybe some substance. I want everyone to think about this. When the Republican candidates for president get on the stage uh, this Wednesday, August uh-huh. 23rd. No, I know it's tonight. the front runner who has decided not to be there no, that will Trump. be out on bail in four different jurisdictions. Oh, so you're still just New York. Miami. No, I know where. I Washington. do this for a living. I, you know, and Atlanta. Georgia. Come on. We can no longer pretend that this is normal. We can't pretend that this is acceptable. Yeah, okay. I, I actually agree with the last two points he made. It's not normal, nor is it acceptable to allow politics to get involved in decisions over indictments. And yet that's exactly what's happened. That's why I think his attacks have been failing so spectacularly at least at the national stage. Can he pick up some steam in places like New Hampshire? Maybe. Polling seems to be all right for him in New Hampshire. But his likability number is very, very, very low. Who are you guys excited to see tonight? Or are you going to skip the debate completely? Because obviously there's counter-programming, Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson. It will drop at 555 I believe it's about 45 minutes to an hour. And there's a teaser online. Looks really good. I'll watch it. I'm just not going to watch it at the exact same time. I'm not going to choose to watch that over the debate because I think the debate is important. Who was the strongest candidate to go up against Joe Biden? And as much as I think a lot of us would say, who would ever vote for Joe Biden at this point? Well, lots of people, especially when you have the media on your side as a candidate, as a sitting president, they're going to go overboard. In shilling for this guy, there was uh, who had Bill Weir from CNN yesterday was doing a report. I tweeted it talking about how, oh, it was amazing. Joe Biden in Maui. Everybody loved him. He was the consoler in chief. Everyone was saying, I'm so glad you're here. It was I mean, honestly, it was embarrassing. And when you have that kind of just misleading coverage, creating this narrative Someone who's on the fence, particularly when it comes to Trump, they might say to themselves, I mean, I just I'm still uncomfortable with Trump. Maybe Biden's not as bad as I think. President and uh, Dr. Biden spent several hours both over Lahaina on the ground here and meeting with both first responders and victims of this tragedy at the big shelter, the War Memorial Shelter in central Maui. 
and he said the right things in many cases. When he, like, the, like the jokes, like the jokes that he made? He came to the microphone to give his statements. He said the thing that a lot of folks I've been hearing from for two weeks have been saying, that he wants Maui, the people of Maui, to help determine how this place is rebuilt. There was a question as to who will have the most influence in that conversation going forward. Uh -huh. Locals here, working class Native Hawaiians and multi-generational yeah. locals, are worried of disaster capitalism, people moving in to exploit mm. this what was and Biden buy there to as help? much land as they can in yeah. this paradise and rebuild it uh, for their interests as well. The president says promises that that won't happen. It remains to be seen. There's a lot of forces at play here. Did you hear any of that from Biden? Yes. I heard him I've, talking about his car. I've got your back. I mean, I almost lost my cat and my 96 or 69, uh, 67. 67 Corvette telling that to people who lost like children. Yeah. The consoler in chief. My God. Push the button. What's trending? The Biden administration. Now, at the same time, you've got Joe Biden, who I do think is obviously a weak candidate, despite the fact that the media is on his side. They think in his camp that it is a winning strategy to continue to push Bidenomics, which is quite possibly the most boneheaded political strategy I think I've ever witnessed coming from a campaign. I know that there's a lot of spin in all campaigns. I get it. But. For them to really, truly not be able to read the room on the view of the economy from most people because inflation is still very high, only to be told inflation is down. What are you complaining about? Hashtag Bidenomics. It's not a great look. In fact, this was on NBC this morning. More Americans are turning to loans to help pay for everyday expenses. But a new survey from the Federal Reserve shows more loan applications are being rejected by major financial institutions. Auto loan requests and credit card limit increase requests mm -hmm. are also at record highs, mm -hmm. highlighting mm -hmm. some of the financial pressure that Americans are facing. But Bidenomics, what, did, you, did you hear that? That can't be true. Bidenomics. The economy is strong. What are you talking it about? solved all my problems. Oh my God. People are just screaming about how much extra money they have. I'm going on more vacations. You have Jamie Harrison, the chair of the DNC, who has not been very vocal, right? I feel like when was the last time we said the name Jamie Harrison? If I asked the average person who was the chair of the DNC, even I this morning, I was like, what? what's the name? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you know Ronna McDaniel. She's out there, and maybe because we're Republicans that we you know, identify with her a little bit more. But I haven't seen Jamie Harrison on TV at all up until this morning. Well, you, you just got to keep going out there, making sure that people connect uh, the, the good things that are going on with the president because they're happening because of his policies. Oh, the good things. Now, that's when I went and got my politics degree, we would study various successful campaigns and they were always saying the most successful campaigns, what they shared in common, the theme was that they were very nebulous in defining all the good things that people are experiencing. They never were specific. Maybe there's a reason why we, we don't see Jamie Harrison on yeah, TV very just, much. Maybe just like a little bit. He claims that our 
economy is so strong. How could you guys be complaining, dum-dums? Well, it's not a vulnerability, uh, Victor, in that uh, uh, because what we have seen yeah. over time is, mm-hmm. and we see this in contrast to every other major uh, global country in the world, that America is, again, at the head of the line. If you're someone right now who, let's say you're here in Washington State, you live in Vancouver or Kelso, Longview, and you're getting gas in the morning and you realize it's over $5.10, our average, by the way, is five oh six. you're probably not singing the praises of the economy's strength, right? If you're looking at that bill at the grocery store every single time you go and you're still noticing how much more expensive it is. You're not singing the praises of Bidenomics. And yet they cannot simply say, I know you guys are struggling. Here's what we're doing to recover. We've gotten this far so far because of our policies. We brought down inflation, blah, 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 blah. But they don't want to say that because then they would be acknowledging that they were in charge when inflation went through the roof. They don't want to do that. So they tried to just focus on inflation is down. But is it zero? Are we at the place we were beforehand? Can you talk a little bit about the interest rate hikes? Did that play a little bit of a role or was it all the Inflation Reduction Act? They just don't want to be honest. And something that I'm assuming Doug Burgum, if he's able to stand up without falling over because of his bum leg, he's probably going to focus a lot on his business experience when talking about the economy, which is very obviously going to be a very important part of tonight's debate. I've been making payroll every two weeks since I was in my mid-20s. I understand what it's like as a small business owner. I understand what working people are going through. And we've got the proven proven track record in North Dakota. We're on track to have the highest GDP in the nation in North Dakota. We've cut taxes. We've reduced red tape. We know how to get government out of people's lives so people can uh, live their lives to their fullest. We know we can improve every American life under a Bergam administration. Now, will that connect? Maybe. It's certainly on the right message, and it's certainly better than what we're hearing from the Biden administration. Push the button. What's trending? National. There is a DNC surrogate who is out there in Milwaukee right now. She is the mayor of Madison, Wisconsin, Satya Rhodes Conway. And she's doing some spin for the Biden administration and the Biden campaign and All throughout the night, you're going to get different surrogates from different campaigns or from the administration basically saying why they're the best candidate. And again, just not reading the room and not understanding like anything. Today, she made a remarkable statement, just remarkable. So I would suggest that anybody thinks that this country is in decline Come to cities. Come to cities. Because Democratic mayors all across the nation are creating great places where people want to be, where growth is happening, and where our economy is growing. So I have a book coming out. It's called What's Killing America. Oh, I thought it was What's Growing America. No, it's it's What's Killing America. And get this, the subtitle, Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. And I focus in this book of which I get paid. It's an actual publisher. I got paid 
Did you? It's not self-published. Oh wow! Yeah, I go through almost all of the major cities in this country, and I tackle very specifically why they're being ruined. Some more quickly than others. San Francisco comes to mind, of course. Seattle, Portland. You've got some on the the brink of total disaster. Some are clearly headed in the wrong direction, and we're hoping someone might come to power and get back on the right path. But for her to say that is just remarkable. You go to San Francisco, it is surrounded with human misery, homelessness, and crime out of control. You go into Philadelphia, go into the Kensington neighborhood, which I write about in my book, which you won't be able to go a block without bumping into or being attacked by a homeless addict. Go into New York or Portland or Chicago or Atlanta or D.C. where crime is through the roof. Just look at what's been happening here in Seattle and tell me if you're proud of where this city is or Tacoma, if you're comfortable if you're more comfortable now, just walking alone at night than you were five years ago, three years ago, do you honestly think things have gotten better or worse? Now, I don't think our best days are behind us, and I don't think we're dead. I think we have policies that are killing American cities. You know, you hear... Joe Biden talk about the soul of our nation is on the line. Okay, I agree. The soul of our cities are on the line. And right now, we've got a lot of soulless cities. And we can help. We can save them. But for her to go out there and and, and try to make that claim, oh, our American cities are the best. Right. By the way, if you want to... Pre-order my book, What's Killing America, Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. You can do so right now. It's on sale at Amazon, Walmart.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Books A Million. If you're on the East Coast, I've still never seen a Books A Million, but people, I guess, there know it. Do we need to send a purchase link to that mayor? I I tweeted this out. Extra points to whomever purchases a book and sends it to her. Because I know you wouldn't send her one for free. Yeah, I'm nice. She's going to have to pay. Someone's going to have to subsidize that. Go get it on Amazon. I'd really appreciate it. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. The Jason Rancho. Here to react, Seattle Talk Radio host Jason Rancho. And the rise of soft on crime laws and policies have made it worse. Our man in the Pacific Northwest, Jason Rance, is on that. And you keep on bringing her these extraordinary stories from Seattle. It's amazing. Long form. The Republican candidates have descended upon Milwaukee. For tonight's first GOP debate, we'll be carrying it live, of course, in just 30 minutes from now. Joining me on the line to help set the stage, our friend from Fox News, Mark Meredith. Welcome back. Jason, good to be with you, brother. Big picture, what are you expecting tonight without Trump on that stage? So I think it will uh, obviously create that opportunity for other candidates to get exposure, which they have not really received in this race thus far because it has been so much focused on Trump. But if Trump's not, like we know, going to be there, I think no matter what, uh, these other candidates are going to get more attention than they're used to getting at any of these other events, whether either they're in Iowa or New Hampshire. Uh, usually a lot of times the reporters, and yourself included, I'm sorry, I should say myself included, will ask a response about something that's involving the former president. So I think for these candidates, they can talk about themselves. 
their vision and where they would like to see the country go. Uh, but you bring up a good point. You know, what actually will come out of this debate? And necessarily, I don't think we're going to see a new front runner out of it, but mm -hmm. I do think you'll see other candidates that will decide maybe either I have to change strategy, change staffs, or even change my thoughts on where I'm going from here after tonight's debate. And it's going to be really interesting because the, the basic premise for each and every one of these candidates is that I am a better choice than Trump because he's being indicted and it's not a shoe-in that he wins an election. You put me up against Joe Biden, it's a shoe-in, Biden's record is blah, 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 blah. And it's obviously a, a valuable point to make, but you can't just focus on Trump the entire time. You have to separate yourself out, and that has to be on positions. Absolutely. And I think for a candidate like Chris Christie, though, the you know the way he's been able to make news for himself, make mm -hmm. headlines, is because he's talked about the former president. So you're right. I would imagine it's DeSantis that really avoids talking about Trump yeah. the most because he realizes that's just going to be seen as either a turnoff to any Trump supporters because he's been uh, just labeled so much by the uh, former president as disloyal. So for DeSantis, mm -hmm. I think this is a chance to right the ship if he's able to say, look, you know, I, I do have the uh, support in Florida. I've got the experience now and my second term is being governed. Governor, served in Congress. Here's what I think I can really do. And I think maybe it would be his chance to kind of come back where we have really seen him stumble the last couple of weeks, if not months. I also really think it'll be Nikki Haley's chance to stand out. Also, yep. she'll be the only woman on the stage. Um, and, and of course, that matters uh, because there are going to be a lot of uh, talk about the abortion issue. Democrats today launching new ads in Wisconsin, of all places, specifically focused on abortion. Uh, President Biden's uh, team, I mean, his, his his media blitzes all over the place, and they're really trying to make it about the abortion issue, they being the Democrats. So for Nikki Haley, she's already said she wants to see a consensus on this. She doesn't want to see the, you know, an extreme restriction in her view as opposed to what you know maybe she supported in South Carolina back in the day, which I think it was 20 weeks. So I'll be curious to see um, whether or not she gets a breakout moment on that. Of course, she could have other breakout moments, not just that one issue. But I do think she'll stand out tonight as well. Well, Democrats are going to make this election about abortion. It, it worked for them during the midterms and mitigating some of you know the, the threat of this supposed red wave. And just the American people are not on the side of a total abortion ban. And that flies in the face of what the base of the Republican Party seems to want and Again, every candidate is in a really difficult spot because you have to appeal to the base and then you have to hope you can moderate once you get towards the general or into the general. And, you know, if you're on record saying you support a, a national ban on abortion, you can't really moderate that position if you're in, in the general. I'm going to agree with you more. And that's why somebody like Mike Pence is going to say, I'm not going to change my position, that this is how I feel he would support, yeah. you know, a national abortion ban. Um, and, and you really do bring up a great point is because what you say in the primary could come back to haunt you in the general. And that works for both parties, too. I mean, obviously, that has an impact on both sides. But there was a Fox poll that we did earlier this month. And we asked people, you know, how much do you think abortion is the biggest issue in this country or the biggest issue facing the country? Only 3% said they felt like it was the biggest issue. So, to your point, while the base uh, may want to talk about this quite a bit, uh, the American people, when it gets time to the general election, will probably be more focused on the economy, especially if the way things are stay right where they are now. Um, so for candidates, you're right. How many Pence will make it a big deal, uh, but I wouldn't imagine DeSantis and Haley are going to make it their stump speech either. How much do you expect the, the most recent news events to play a role in tonight's debate? Do, you, do we expect, and Brett Baer, Martha McCollum are the moderators. They're outstanding. I think they're going to do a really good job. Do you think that they're going to focus more on the big picture 
ideas and principles, or do they point to what happened today in Pittsburgh with, with uh, a shooting? What happened in Maui with the fires? Uh, that's a great question. Whether or not there would be enough, I, I mean, with the fires, they might be able to get into the climate change debate. I don't know if that's the route that they would go with that. Um, the Pittsburgh story being so new, mm-hmm. uh, and we just don't have a ton of details. Uh, I think obviously that that could probably be held off on tonight. But um, and, and in terms of, again, a Republican primary debate, you're going to hear about the economy. You're going to hear about the role of government. You're going to hear I, – I would be shocked if we still go back to the COVID debate. I mean, talk about stories that have come mm-hmm. back. We, the CDC announced a new variant this morning. Um, and so there's there's already more mass mandates coming back. There was a school in Georgia. There's a studio out in California. Um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see the COVID debate come back. And education, another issue I think that will absolutely come up tonight um, just based off of, of the news headlines. But, yeah, I think – to your original point, will the news be brought in? Yes, it'll be woven in, but these candidates are going to talk more about their records. And I think that they're going to say, well, when I was you know, governor of New Jersey or governor of South Carolina, I did this. So I, I don't necessarily know if we'll hear direct comparisons to today's news as well. Fox News correspondent Mark Meredith joining me on the line ahead of tonight's first GOP debate. We'll be carrying it live right here at 6 o'clock, followed by an hour of analysis at 8 when you look at who's got a lot on the line tonight, who can really define a campaign, I, I think of Nikki Haley, but also Tim Scott, who is intensely likable. He's got a great story. He's got a great record. And his values are very much in line with where Republicans are. Absolutely. And he does have some support. I know John Thune, uh, who's, the senator, is actually going to be out there at the debate to cheer him on tonight. So I think there will be a lot of focus on Tim Scott as well. And he got a lot of attention when he launched his bid, but you haven't heard much from him, mm-hmm. um, at least I should say on the national stage lately. So tonight we'll give him that opportunity to to go that route. He certainly had a lot of money when he launched his campaign. I, I don't get the sense they have spent too much of it yet. Um, so they'll be able to uh, perhaps raise even more off of this. But yes, I think Tim Scott certainly could use uh, a big moment of support. There's probably going to be one or two, you know, lines that really people will remember from this debate, right? You know, you know, a year from now, I can't imagine everybody's going to say, "Oh, I remember when this, 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 and this happened." It's just those two or three moments, and, and sometimes it's the stumbles, right? I mean, yeah. it was one of the networks was playing today was the Rick Perry stuff from 2012, um, and of course, it was when he he couldn't remember the agency, one of the three agencies mm-hmm. he was going to get rid of, and I hate to say it, but that's the only thing I remember from that yeah. CNBC <laughs> debate. <laughs> So uh, for these candidates, yeah, you can have a breakout moment, but it can also be costly because that one moment that people remember may be your downfall as well. And just finally on candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy this week doing a lot of cleanup for comments he made about (laughs) 9-11. I think some of them are, I think, a a little kooky, but also some of them are being taken purposefully out of context. So he's kind of in a weird position because he's kind of towing that line of being both kooky but also accurate in, in what he was saying. Where where do you think the folks on the stage view Vivek and how will they treat him tonight? I mean, he's clearly being positioned from, from a media narrative position, but before the 9-11 comments as this guy who's in context of where he is in the polls gaining a lot of traction. You're absolutely right. And I think that's why you saw so much of the blowback this week. Was, I think before most of his comments would not really have been uh, tracked that closely. <laughs> uh, but the second that there was the new narrative that, oh, you know, he, he's rising, he may overtake DeSantis, uh, you know, the knives come out. And that also can come out from other candidates' staff as well. It's not always just, you know, the media that is pushing something. Um, you know, if they smell blood, in, if there's a way to put blood in the water, I think these other uh, 
Republican operatives will do so. Uh, you know, that's a great question about Vivek. He, he is, I, I've interviewed him before, and I, I kind of went in with no idea what to expect. And he is very good mm-hmm. in person and on camera. I mean, he is able to talk passionately, uh, speak eloquently. Um, and I think that that will um, give him a moment as well. But whether or not he, based on, like you said, the comments and the controversy about 9-11, whether or not he's able to really overcome that or if that becomes more of a distraction, right? If the only questions people remember about him are, wait, why did you say this about 9-11? Why are we relitigating that? Um, then it could come back to hurt him as well. Last thing for you, who has the most to gain? Who has the most to lose tonight? You know, I, you know you're, you're going to hate me for answering it like this, but it's the same person. So I'm going to say right there, and I think you might know the answer. The person who has the most to gain and or lose, I think, is the one person who's not there. I yeah. think it is Trump. Yeah, I think it's that if those candidates, like you said, that one person just all of a sudden, this is that spark, and you know they ride the wave from there, or DeSantis comes back, they could call it the return, then that's something. Uh, but also, if it's you know one of those p- debates where everybody's like, oh, didn't see anybody there as the next commander in chief, then I think Trump uh, is able to walk away. So it's exactly. a, <laughs> he's either got a lot to lose or a lot to gain. There you go. Mark Meredith from Fox News. Again, debate starts about 15 minutes from now. We'll be carrying it live right here on KTTH. Mark, my friend, thank you so much for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. See you soon. You are listening to The Jason Rant Show. When we come back, we'll give you the final political outlook ahead of this debate on KTTH. The Jason Rand Show. Let's bring in our man in the Pacific Northwest, KTTH, Seattle top radio host Jason Rance. Great to have you with us to tell people a little bit more about this. Jason Rance is in focus now. Jason Rance, thank you for your reporting on that. The quick hit. If the presidential election were held today, right this moment, I think the former president, Donald Trump, would see a well-deserved electoral college victory. The problem, however, is that We're not even past the primary season. And as history will suggest, a whole lot can happen. A whole lot can happen between now and next November. And I believe in a little over 10 minutes from now, Donald Trump is making an unforced error by skipping the debate. Now, we will be carrying the debate live at 6 o'clock. After the debate, it's two hours long. We'll have some live analysis courtesy of Fox News. Now, the reason why I believe it's an unforced error is because the president is ceding a whole lot of time to a candidate who potentially could gain some momentum. Right now, inflation is hurting many American families. You've got radical left policies that are responsible for the crime waves that we've been seeing, not just here in Seattle, but across the country. It's responsible for the out-of-control homelessness, the drug epidemic being as bad as it is. We can point directly to policies coming from the radical left. And you've got scores of Americans who remember what their lives were like under Donald Trump. And they were no doubt in much better shape than they are right now under President Joe Biden. They clearly didn't like the tweets from Donald Trump, and many were uncomfortable with his personality. He's a brash guy. He's direct. He can be a bully, which is also, by the way, why some people like him. He does things a little bit differently. But I think it's clear 
that people were uncomfortable with that aspect of Donald Trump, even though they liked what he was doing as president. But even for the folks who were uncomfortable, I think they would acknowledge it was considerably less embarrassing than a president who can't complete sentences or thoughts. A president who consistently lies about his son's corruption and his own complicity in all of it. Someone who falls asleep when honoring people who lost their lives in the Maui fires, which, by the way, he mostly ignored for two weeks. But the problem is Donald Trump is ceding the stage to some really, really strong candidates who very easily tonight could turn some momentum their way. Now, it's not a guarantee. But my guess is they're not going to focus the entire debate on attacking Donald Trump, who's the front runner. I don't think that's what they're going to do. Maybe Chris Christie, and they certainly will spend some time, as I just talked about with Mark Meredith, making the case that, yeah, we like the guy, we liked what he did as president, but he's not electable anymore. Here's why I am. And I imagine most, though not all, but most of the candidates on that stage tonight will say that they will or would pardon Donald Trump. But they're not going to be focused just on attacking him. That would have been the case had Trump been there tonight, had he decided to show up. But now, for the first time to a national audience, at least all on the same stage in this big of a way, they can define their campaigns on their own terms. Now, there's no doubt that Donald Trump is so far ahead in the polls that he believes he's got nothing to gain by showing up to this debate. And... I think he's certainly correct that he could lose support with a bad performance on the debate stage or just simply being outshined by others. But let's be clear, Donald Trump is a strong debater. He's got a commanding presence. He's got some pretty biting humor. He does well. And by attending, the entire debate would have been about him. It would have been about his campaign. It would have been about his record. And I think that that benefits him because he had a good record. What doesn't benefit him will be candidates arguing without his interjections, without his responses, that he's unelectable. Let's be clear about something, even though this kind of sounds like an insult. It's not. Trump sucks the oxygen out of any room he's in. He is the focus. And if he was on that debate stage tonight, the media coverage would be exclusively focused on him. He'd have control over the sound bites in the sense that he has control of what he says and doesn't say. And it would get more coverage than any of his campaign speeches that he's been doing because those don't get carried live to a national audience in any meaningful way. The same way, by the way, none of these campaign speeches get coverage. So he would reach people that he doesn't normally reach. And more importantly, I think he would defy expectations fairly easily, in fact, because of how dishonest the left-wing media has been portraying him. But all he's done is handed over airtime and a narrative to other candidates that the media will likely get behind. You've got Ron DeSantis, who's got the most to gain tonight. He's a strong conservative leader. He's got a very impressive track record in Florida. And while folks on the radical left say he's a fascist, a word they can't spell, let alone define, Americans have been flocking to Florida for a reason. And they're leaving New York. They're leaving California. If he delivers a strong performance tonight, that narrative of a struggling campaign gets turned on its head. 
Is he capable of doing that? I don't know. I've never seen him on a national debate stage. But let's be clear, if he does well tonight, the new framing is going to be about a surging DeSantis campaign. And they're going to present him as this emerging threat to Donald Trump. If Vivek Ramaswamy shines, I think it's going to shock a lot of folks. And they're going to start to say, ooh, this maybe this nobody, this guy I've never heard of before, actually can go somewhere. Because most people don't know who he is yet. And yet he's still been gaining some traction in the polls because when people hear him, they're impressed. Perhaps a little bit different given the 9-11 comments. But I don't think that that has a whole lot of legs. And now he's not going to have to compete for airtime during the debate because Trump isn't there. This allows him to be center stage alongside Ron DeSantis. Then you've got Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, both intensely likable. They have very great backstories and they're really, really sharp. They won't have to face that added scrutiny for challenging the president that they formerly backed for Haley worked for. He's not going to be up there saying, hey, you work for me. Explain why now you're running against me. They don't have to do that now. You'll have Mike Pence. For his part, he gets to avoid that awkward moment of being on the same stage as Trump when they bring up January 6th. And so those candidates are going to have a better time shaping their campaign narrative without having to worry about Trump in the moment. Now, you've got Chris Christie. Of course, he's only there because he wants to curry favor with network executives. They want to hire another never-Trump Republican. He's that guy. He's got one mode, which is attack Trump. But what he's going to do is call the former president a coward for not showing up. And while that only goes so far, and we played a clip of him doing just that later uh, earlier tonight, it's going to earn some media coverage that could end up hurting Trump amongst independents and maybe even some moderate Republicans who do think that debating opponents should be considered a basic expectation of any candidate unless they're the sitting president who's running for re-election. Now, it's undoubtedly true that no matter what happens, left-wing media was going to attack Donald Trump post-debate. If he participated or not, that was always going to happen. But he could have been able to starve them of their most biting commentary if he provided them with a presidential performance. Because that would further erode the left-wing media's influence to the extent that it still exists on the American people who are going to hear Maddow and, and Scarborough and... Anderson Cooper calling him unhinged and a fascist and he's crazy, he's an authoritarian. And then they're going to look at his performance and be like, wait, what? I mean, my God, I know you don't like the guy, but that's not what we saw tonight. You've got politically motivated indictments facing Donald Trump. And as a result of that, he's already generating some sympathy from Americans who I think are rightly disgusted by the politicization of the criminal justice system to go after a political rival of the president. So they're already feeling a little bit more sympathetic than they otherwise would to Donald Trump, only to then see the media go after him after offering a really good debate performance. I think that would only help him. Now, I know what Donald Trump is thinking, which is tomorrow he's going to turn himself in in Georgia. It's going to be post-debate coverage killer, a post-debate coverage killer. But I suspect the media is still going to frame it around him not doing the debates. And I think that also gives Biden ammunition and certainly takes sting out of anything Donald Trump says. If Biden says, you know what, I'm not going to debate Donald Trump. You already know where we stand. 
Now, I think every single person who's listening right now wants to see Joe Biden take on or Donald Trump take on Joe Biden. But now he can say, eh, you already know where I stand. I'm just I'm pulling the Donald Trump defense. I don't need I'm I'm above these people. I'm above Donald Trump. I'm not going to debate. And what is Donald Trump going to do in response? Call him a coward? It, It doesn't sting the right the same way. So we'll see what ends up happening. Obviously, anything can happen tonight on that debate stage. And in just a little over five minutes, we're going to hear exactly what does happen because we'll be carrying the debate live when we come back on AM 770 KTTH.